Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle podcast. Welcome to episode 30 of Paranormal Pendle, broadcasting to the Paranormal UK Radio Network at paukradio.com. My guest on this episode is Jason Gleaves. Uh, Jason is a ufologist, a researcher and an international author. He's the author of several books, including The UFO Photo, The Ufology Umbrella and his new book, which uh, I'm hoping he's going to tell us all about, is entitled UFO Encounters, up close and personal so first of all jason thank you for coming on the podcast uh, really great to talk to you hi that's great it's a pleasure to be on your show now i can tell from your accent that you are uh from merseyside am i right yes i was born and bred in liverpool i mean i live in over the water now on the wirral um but uh yeah i'm originally from liverpool so you you now live on the uh, the posh side as as it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. as it's known near the the small fishing village called Birkenhead. Oh, that's yeah 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 <laughs> yeah Birkenhead. Well, I'm I'm married to a scouser, um, and uh, her grandparents lived on on the Wirral um, when when they were alive. So uh, we've driven through the tunnel several times and. There is a definite change of accident when you go from one side of the water <laughs> to the other. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could talk about accents and, and everything for, uh, for for quite a while, I think. But we really need to talk about ufology on this <laughs> podcast. Um, can I ask how, how you got into ufology in the first place then, Jason? Yeah, um, well, at the beginning, I suppose it's the, the sighting I had with my sister um, when I was age seven years old. Um, and that was in uh, Liverpool in Aintree, um, where my relatives lived, um, right near the race course, actually on Merlin Road. Mm-hmm. And um, we were basically looking at looking after the house while they were away on holiday. And we were playing upstairs in the bedroom quite innocently. And, uh, and we both witnessed a silver disc-shaped craft outside the window. Okay. Um, it was hovering outside for a while. Um, and then it took off at high velocity. Um, and we were none the wiser because we didn't know what UFOs were or anything. You know, we thought some strange type of, cra- you know, aeroplane, yeah. helicopter stroke, you know. And yeah. um, then we carried on playing as if nothing had happened. Um, and I'd actually forgotten about the incident till much, much later, only when I got into UFOlogy much deeper. Um, and my sister reminded me of the the sighting she said one day do you remember when we saw that craft outside the window and i you know it slowly came back to me whether it was missing time or whatever but um yeah that that was originally how i dipped my toe if you know what i mean because before that i wasn't really interested in ufology as such because then you know during the 70s um there was no internet was there so you know the only way you would find things out is if it was a show on the TV mm. or it was a, a book that you read. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's very similar as well with, with other um, areas of, of strangeness as well, such as the paranormal. Um, I think really with the, with the birth of the internet and we've now got access to a lot more um, material, aren't we? And, and certainly yeah. with, with, with ufology, um, yeah or you can you can look at, at reports from all over the world now can't you so it's we're a lot more lucky you know with the wealth of information we've got now compared to what we did have yeah yeah so when you um i mean do you when when you sent me a bio i always i always you know do a bit of research on on guests and your xraf which um yeah I I don't know how much you can tell us about that because of the the official secrets act and 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, was there anything that that happened when you worked for the RAF, or or is it is it sort of after you've you've left that that you've become more more involved in? No, in no, it, it was basically during my service. Um, I was stationed at RAF Cosford in in the Midlands. 
um, for your listeners' benefit. It, it's in central England, you know, Birmingham, Wolverhampton area. Yeah. Um, and I've been stationed there a few times over the time I was in the Air Force. Um, and I was actually uh, permanent staff there because RAF Cosford is a, is a training camp. That's where basically uh, airmen would pass out their six weeks basic training and then they would go on to Cosford to learn their trade training, yeah. which was either an armorer or communications or, you know, whatever discipline they were going to go into. And um, there's also a huge museum at Cosford where they, there is literally every first aircraft ever built of its type there, like the first Harrier jump jet, you mm. know, the first supersonic jets, etc. So it's it's quite a big, big place, big runway as well. Yeah. And um, during March 1993, I was actually stationed on the base. Uh, my friend was the orderly corporal in the guard room and part of the duties that you do is gate guards and things like that, you know, yeah. uh, and there was a young airman on the airfield gate guard uh, post at the time. You can actually drive past it if you go into the museum. If you ever visit Cosford and go to the museum, you drive under the railway bridge and take a sharp right turn. Well, that on the, you can see the airfield straight away then. Um, that's where you can actually see the actual guard post where it happened. And um, it, it, it's really you know, quite documented this this case it's mm. um march 1993 uh, the airman was on the gate guard post it was late evening and uh, all of a sudden in the guard room the radio started kicked into life and this young airman was screaming down the radio to get the guard commander out to the airfield because something was hovering over the airfield and he was obviously scared you know terrified mm, yeah um uh, on hearing this, obviously the the guard commander and the um, RAF police and you know other personnel got into their vehicles and and drove out to the airfield for assistance. When they got there, they all witnessed this huge triangle-shaped craft hovering over the airfield okay. um, at the time. And again, this is all on the internet; anyone can read this. And a few years back. The, when the military released all the um, UFO papers, you know, you could actually read them through the freedom information and everything. Yeah. Um, that They're all there for you to see all the reports by the police officers and, you know, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and um, they got there. This thing was there. It was, it was described to be the size of a battleship and it was huge in wow. size. Yeah. And then it took off at high velocity and mm. went on to another nearby RAF base, RAF Shawbury, which is 20 miles away or so uh, from Cosford. And the on-duty air traffic controller actually caught a, and got a lock on this object coming in, the okay. same. And it was actually seen firing very thin wafer-thin lasers towards the ground, and the impression the air traffic controller got was that it was actually looking for something okay. um, and then it took off but through that the rest of that evening and uh, obviously beforehand throughout the UK um, mm. there was other reports from on-duty policemen and members of the public of similar you know shape craft so that was a quite a big event really that happened so these triangular crafts, I mean, I've, I've done quite a bit of research myself into, um, you know, UFO sightings, especially in the, around the area where I live. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know whether you know, but Morecambe Bay seems to be quite, um, yeah, uh, quite a hotbed for triangular UFOs. Now, obviously, you know, Morecambe Bay and um, I suppose it isn't really that that far, is it? I mean, it's, it's what, probably about 100 miles maybe to Birmingham, um, yeah. something if like that. that. If, if that, that yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe 80 miles. So it's not that far, and certainly if a craft is travelling uh, at speed. I mean, what what do you think these triangular UFOs are? Do you do you think that they are unidentified craft, or or do you think they could be military? Well, my my opinions changed obviously over the years, um, being in ufology and being around people of the know and and things like that, and. I've thought, you know, was it a secret covert uh, craft that we hadn't seen before? Um, or was it, you know, a, a craft of, of, of extraterrestrial origin? We don't know. But I mean, 
I only go back to the time when I was serving in the Air Force and, and when I went to the first Gulf War in the, in the early 90s, uh, Desert Storm. Mm. And the first time I ever saw the stealth bomber was mm. there as yeah. it was flying. And, you know, if you take a look at that first time and you haven't seen it before, it's a UFO, isn't it? So Well, it is, yeah. And it's certainly very angular, isn't it? And it's certainly very, yeah. very triangular in shape. Um but, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I do wonder because there there are a lot of sightings, aren't there, of of triangular craft. Um, you only have to you know go on the internet, yeah. as, as, as as you mentioned before, um, to be able to find a lot of these sightings. Were there any other sightings of note that that happened whilst you were you were in the RAF that 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 that, that you can talk about? Not then. There was other instances which I, I mean I'm not obviously going to talk about yet i mean i'm not ready myself to talk about a lot of things but um mm. okay. you know things like that yeah there was there was another um instance that happened when i was working at aerospace british aerospace which is after the air force yeah um and we were building the airbus in near chester where it was the broughton site yeah. and long story short i was working a night shift with with a colleague and he knew the places where to clock off really quick so we could get out, you know, and beat everybody else at the clocking machine. <laughs> yeah. And one one of the ways to get there was via the airfield. You know, we'd go out, round out through the hangar and then up through the, the round the airfield and then back into the factory to get to the clocking off machine. Yeah. Um, and if anybody's ever been on an airfield at night and it's, black you can't see a thing you know it's it really is dark you know yeah um and we were walking up as we were you know just talking away and then all of a sudden there was a bright like a spotlight above our heads it was it's as if it was coming from like a, a helicopter with a spotlight on you know that type of a light um and we we were carried on talking and i was looking up and uh, every so often and then it it went out it sort of disappeared mm. and it was one of those unusual things but further up we got further up to the door to go back into the factory and i actually turned to my friend and said to him you know did you just see that that bright light then you know and he said yeah but i didn't want to say anything um and it's like it was a bit stupid you felt a bit stupid you know what i mean it was one of those things mm. um but we could yeah. never explain what it was um, there was no sounds of aircraft a bit in the sky, especially not low helicopters, etc. Yeah, and it it was one of those, you know, a moment of high strangeness. Let's call it that. You know. Shall we move on to your books then? Um, yep. I, I mean, one one question I was going to ask you actually, just just before we do move on to your books, was um, do you get people contacting you about their own sightings then? Do you get yeah. uh, do you get quite a few people doing that? Yeah. Um, well, that that was really how it started. That was even before the books. There, right. what I would do, I would literally, you know, obviously getting more and more into ufology and and looking at the old cases that we've all been brought up reading. You know, yeah, the fa famous Roswell and New Mexico and and Rendlesham Forest. You know, we read everything, didn't we? And yeah. um, the actual ones cases that had actual images i thought well with the technology it's changed with photoshop and i say photoshop because i don't use photoshop to change the photograph i just use it for the filters yeah. so a good way to explain it is if i'm actually if there's a nighttime shot of an orb or a disc or something in the sky if you invert it it becomes like a photo negative and then you can actually see the object much better and do a better analysis of it, you know, and get in there. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the reason. So I just thought I'll go back over old cases, which I did in the first book, and and basically see if I could debunk them or see if they were real or you know. And I, I debunked a couple along the way, but okay. you know, a lot actually stood up, you know, yeah. to. Yeah whatever you know that i went into okay and, so you've you've just piqued me interest now so go on then the the debunked ones do you want to, do you want to tell us yeah about well this? well two of them were uh the first was the um the solworth uh, spaceman you've heard of that one 
Well, yes. it was a picture yeah. of the girl, the young girl. The father took a photograph of her on the moors, you know, um, where uh, where she was actually out, you know, with her father. Nice view and everything. But as he took the photograph, above her was the image of a, a so-called spaceman, wasn't it, above, you know? Yeah. And I actually debunked that one just through research of going in, just like anyone, I, I, I say to anyone to do their research. Mm. Um and long story short, if you that isn't the only photograph, obviously, with that case. There, there are other photographs that go with it. And if you actually look at the other, you can see that her mother was present on the day. Okay. And in other photographs, she's playing with, with her mother. Hmm. And I did just did a basic overlay of photographs. And the mum was wearing a certain style of dress with short sleeves, etc. And then I overlaid it to the image of her, you know, and it's the same dress. Right. So it worked out really, and the lighting and everything that it was her mother that was turned, but it was the actual effect. Yeah. And then, and then if you go back into the um, actual people involved, you know, the camera that was used, because everything, all the information's there. Yeah. The the camera was actually used. It didn't have a viewfinder like you would see in the old 35 millimeter cameras, mm. you know, the viewfinder, you'd actually look through the top and that was your photograph, wasn't it? That you yeah, got, that's right. well, this camera didn't have one. It was one that you held lower down towards your chest. Oh yeah. Aimed at what you were taking a photograph and crossed your fingers that like you got <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he took a few photos, but hey, that, that was the thing he said when I took the photograph, I couldn't see anybody or anything behind her, which he he probably couldn't because the camera was lower down in his chest area. Yeah. And where he was looking was eye view, which was above. So the camera picked up. Do you know what I mean? It was mm. the difference of him picking it up. Yeah. Anyway, I debunked that and put my findings out there and obviously upset a few people. Mm, um, say, yeah, but it, yeah, you'd probably get a bit of kickback from... I always do, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the sort of thing I do. You know, if I find it not to be what I think it is, you know, it's just my opinion, but I will put my findings out there for anyone to look at, you know. Yeah. And and also, if new information became available, I'll be the first to be corrected and say, you know, I was wrong or whatever. So yeah, yeah. it works both ways. Um, an Another case... I debunked along the way really was um it was um mr dean um was actually saying it was a ufo photograph long story short with this one it was taken by the uh, astronauts apollo astronauts on the way to the moon whether you believe we went to the moon or not uh, <laughs> um you know they took yeah. it out of the capsule and they said that they had craft that were following them i'm not disputing that craft wasn't you know weren't following them to the moon mm. but on this occasion with this photograph anyway if you look at the photograph it looks like uh, a disc shaped object and it's got great detail on it and, and for years and years i've actually looked at that and thought that is a legit photograph because mm. it was taken by the astronauts and everything else involved again it just roll your sleeves up you know get in there start, start to do your research and i looked at the actual reference number of the photograph from nasa so you can go back over the archives and look at the actual photograph mm. and i thought because that's what i do i always ask everybody when they send me images i always ask for the most up-to-date original image they can give me because yeah. it's the best to do the analysis on Anyway, I look for this like I did for the original. I found the reference number and it was all there. When I picked out the actual file, an image, there was nothing in 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 the frame. And I thought, well, we're getting a bit of a bum steer here. You know, we've been sent in the wrong direction. And <laughs> but I didn't give up. Then I I start to look further afield. So I went sort of a couple of shots either side of the original photograph, and. There it was. I found it within one of the images to the side, giving you the wrong image number. All right. So I found that, went in, 
did the analysis again. I saw, well, there's a dish shape. You could see the dish shaped object exactly like you can see with the blown up version. Mm. Um, and when I went in, used the Photoshop, used the filters and inverted and everything, you could see that it was actually the third stage part of the Apollo rocket. All right. Yeah, and it and it was it was because it was rotated in such a way, and it was actually following them towards the moon. Mm. It was with them for a while, and yeah. as it rotated and caught the sunlight, you could see the oval of the interior fuel tank. Right, right. So and again, I just <laughs> did a basic overlay of the two photographs: the one that was said said to be the UFO over this image, and it was a perfect match. Right. So, so again, yeah. again, I bet you got some Stick. comments coming back yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, I was I, I was trying to think of, yeah. of an aspect of putting it, yeah. Stick's probably the best best yeah. person to use in it. Yeah, you, I, you get it, yeah. You, you, yeah. you get it. You, you can't be in this field and not get people's opinion because whether it's right or wrong, everybody's got an opinion on yeah. the image whether it's right or wrong you know so yeah you, you go with the flow i just put out there what i find it's my opinion at the end of yeah. the day you and know then, if, yeah. if you disagree to that that's fair enough of course yeah i mean people are free to make their own mind up based on the evidence aren't they? Of course, they, you know yeah. whether they whether they accept your evidence or not is entirely entirely down to them mm-hmm. so what about um what about ones you've looked at then that that you can find no rational explanation other than it is something extraterrestrial i can go into a lot obviously um like i said before to a lot of people in my archives because obviously i archive everything i analyze and you know Mm. and um i must have over a hundred thousand images of you know ufos and and things that you know some that are obviously you know not real and then some that i really do think but one case that really stands out um is a case that was sent in it was footage by an argentinian pilot and um, it's on my uh, facebook page uh, and youtube page um because obviously i analyze the imagery um and a couple of tv companies have actually used it i was actually on um paranormal court on camera I think I'm on the first episode of the second series. Um, and you can actually see the footage there. And their experts couldn't, you know, identify what it was either. Mm. But the, the story behind it anyway, this this pilot, um, he'd been flying his aircraft for many years, you know, as pilot. And he'd seen UFOs in the past, but never actually took a camera with him. And this was around 2014. And he, he basically took his mobile phone with him. And it had in the earlier days the camera was okay, but not like today. It was mm. it was passable. Yeah. And he knew he was going to see UFOs again, so he took it up. And the footage starts where you can see he's actually filming forwards throughout the cockpit window. You can see the propeller going around in front, very clear. And beyond that, you can see the cloud base. He's about five, ten thousand feet up, uh, flying along quite happy. And then from his uh, which side was it? He came, they actually flew out from the port side, the left-hand side of the aircraft. There was a, a long, elongated craft that flew and darted and buzzed right in front of his aircraft, probably a couple of hundred feet in front. And then it was followed by a smaller craft very quickly behind it. And then he watched them. He didn't film them. He was still flying his aircraft. You know, he's still actually in control. Yeah. And to the right-hand side, you know, the starboard side, the the two aircraft come back in a very tight formation figure of eight. And then they come back in close formation and buzz his aircraft again. Um, And I would advise, it's not me, but the thing, it's just literally, I would advise anyone to go and see it because I think it is up there with... You know some of the best footage out there you know yeah so when when you see footage like that then does it does it sort of serve to to convince you that that there are um strange strange alien craft visiting us yeah definitely i mean i personally on my own journey and and on my own journey through ufology and getting to 
meet people and, be, and people who have become good friends, you know, of colleagues now, of people I used to read their books, you know, and mm. now they're actually personal friends and, they, you know, a lot of them are in the new book. Um, and I I started off, obviously, with, with my sighting that got me in there and then everything else related afterwards. But yeah, I uh, being ex-military and, and aerospace, it had to be nuts and bolts to me. You know, the craft had to be, you know, physically there in front of you, like an aircraft, you know. Yeah. And um, over time, my opinions changed vastly, you know, because with people I've dealt with, like Peter Slattery in Australia, James Gilliland in yeah, Mount Adams, you know, ESETI, all mm. the different people around the world have come forward. And, you know, you realise that, the craft are multi-dimensional in in you know in appearance and the way they travel and and the types of craft you know then it's not nuts and bolts and that's really where we've got to start thinking outside the box yeah that's really interesting well um you mentioned actually then about about your new book obviously i want to want to ask you about the new book um yeah. and anything that's in there that that you particularly um you know got interested in when when you were writing it and researching it well it, it i could say that you know i'm really i always say this i'm really humbled that the people actually took their time to give me you know the the cases i mean if you go back to the first book we were talking about the ufo photo that's where i actually show people where i've analyzed certain cases like the the battle over los angeles everyone's seen that you know, 1942, the, 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 the searchlights that were on the UFO, mm. you know, 20,000 people saw that craft at the time, you know, and I analyzed the image there and you can actually see the craft within the, the, the searchlights. So um, you think that was genuine then, do you? Yeah, definitely. Because at the time, um, America had only just entered the second world war about three months into it. And they all thought, at the time, the military, especially because they, they had the artillery guns and everything around, that it might have been the German Luftwaffe or the Japanese that, that were actually coming over to bomb Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and they shot an awful lot of shells and every artillery at this thing, and it did, didn't bring it down, didn't make an impact in it. And, um, you know, it, it stood the test of time. And when I analyzed the images, and you can see the craft within there, and then you know there's a solid object within those floodlights. Mm. Um, you know, it, you know it's one of those that has actually stood the test of time. But in that book, anyway, well, that's what I've done. I've analysed famous cases, yeah, and I've actually shown people how I analysed them using Photoshop and how they can use the techniques with you know using filters, etc., to actually get in there. And then I explained the electromagnetic spectrum which is the human eye can only see in a very short field within that spectrum yeah you know outside of that we you know you've got radio waves and microwaves infrared and ultraviolet etc we we can't see those but we can only see you know a short and i tried to explain that in more depth and then the second book i the ufology umbrella with my path journey etc whatever you want to call it i one door opens you know one door closes i should say and another five open in ufology <laughs> yeah uh, you know you can go down so many different paths you know of abduction sightings mm. uh cattle mutilation you know you can go on and on you literally yeah. and in this I mean, I didn't realize at first. I just thought there was one, two, and three categories of close encounters. Mm. Um, and that was Dr. Heineck who actually, you know, brought that, those categories out. Okay. What are the categories, if, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, well, but again, like I said, it isn't just the one, two, and three. It's literally it's seven categories in total. Mm. And you've got to remember, ufology is a. It keeps changing, it keeps evolving. You know, it moves on and on. So you know, one, two, and three are basically under the witness. You know, you've actually seen a sighting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an aerial phenomenon, something unusual, a disc shaped. You know, 
it's something that you don't know. So, and then C two is it's witness, but it's associated or unknown phenomena. So it's actually you know people can't explain what it is. So it's basically like a crop circle or something like that. Right. Um, C3, which was actually brought in by Dr. Heineck, and it was around the time of when he was in um, Spielberg's film, The Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. So that, and he actually had a, a cameo role in that movie himself. All right. Okay. Uh, um, and that's a, a visual, you know, a scene, a spotted, and it's going it includes a visual confirmation. So that's what a CE3 is. And then, obviously, with ufology uh, progressing and people coming forwards with abductions and, you know, other things related, that's where C4 comes in. So that is human abduction. Okay. Um, you know, so whether you're taken by uh, uh, an ET, etc. Um, or if you have a, an out-of-body experience or something like that, you know. Uh, C5, which is probably more the one people are, are talking about now, where they got the likes of Stephen Greer. And, um, you know, a lot of people are doing these where they do sky watches and have interactions with ETs. Okay. You have actual contact with them, whether it be some audible form or contact. You know, it can go either way, either by the human to the ET or the ET to the human. So, you know, that breaks that one down a bit more. Okay. Uh, C6 is where the humans or inhabitants are directly caused injury or death to um, humans, etc. And the reason with that is more of uh, the craft retrieval uh, that have been retrieved than the stories and, and, you know, things that come from those stories are they found human body parts on board craft and things like that. So it's a bit... Yeah, it's a bit well, one of those. Um, and C7 is probably the most controversial of all. But it's again, it's through ufology evolving. And it's where um, humans or, you know, um, extraterrestrials, they mate. Okay. So you have sexual intercourse and, you know, that type of thing, artificial insemination. Uh, and that's where the, the human hybrids and everything comes from. Okay, I didn't realise there were there were that many different categories. To be honest with you, yeah, and I, you know, and it can evolve. It might have evolved even more than that since yeah. you know I wrote the book, because um, it's it's uh, it's evolving all the time with think new things that are happening in ufology, and it, it, you know, a lot of the actual sightings and you know cases can be pigeonholed under any of those, you know, really, if not a few. So would would you have any examples then of of either I mean six six and seven are quite quite grim really aren't they they're quite, yeah they're they quite, are, yeah quite quite grisly really um I mean would would you have any examples of of those types of encounters then that, not that, really that... O- only what I've heard myself and again we don't like to go down those cases I know there are certain uh, ufologists and researchers that do. You know, you've got uh, Linda Moulton Howe and people like that who go under the, you know, the cattle mutilations and um, uh, Robert Holtz and um, David Caton, who have been in the UK, have actually done a lot of research into the cattle mutilations. The yeah. military side where they retrieve craft, yeah, you, you're probably talking of the likes of um, uh, Stone, what was his first name? I've forgotten his first name. He's just passed away in the last while, but he's ex-military, and he used to go to retrieval craft. Okay. Um, yeah, and the hybrids and that type of thing is more of what people are talking about where, you know, they've been abducted and they said they've had um, some sort of interaction, sort of um, operation maybe, or... Um, they've actually taken hybrids from them and, and you know, raised them. And, and people are saying that is the next stage of humankind. You know, they're going to bring them, going to start evolving them into the population. Well, some some people do believe that, that we didn't originate from this planet anyway, don't they? So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they believe that we were, they were I mean, don't know whether it's the right word to use or not, but seeded from a different planet. So, and in, and in fact, some people are now talking about 
the fact that life could could have come here from Mars, um, yeah. you know, and that there've been certain um, structures that people have, have reputedly seen in photographs. I mean, it, it, have have you looked at any of those photographs that have been taken by uh, NASA of of the surface of Mars, where people say that they can see, um, you know, sort of for want of a better word, man-made objects on the, yeah. on the surface of Mars. Yeah, like man-made structures of things. I've done quite a few myself. If you go on my page, um, and I've done a lot of videos and documentary-type um, programs or, you know, as such, and I actually go into and show people my findings, um, there is actually one that I found, and I don't think anyone's actually ever said it before and it was on apollo 12 as they were landing on the moon and it was the actual live feed the footage as they were coming in off the the lunar module down into onto land on the moon mm. and just before they touched down they got closer and closer you could see that the moon getting closer and closer and they actually fly over a crater and you can see three lights going down into the crater and it looks just like like an elevator type of thing, you know, where... Yeah. And I, I actually found this years ago, just when I was looking through all the footage, just like everybody else does, you know, you go through and, and try to find things and try to find answers, really, for yourself. Yeah. And, and, I, and I saw this thing stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, and... And I analysed it and put it out there. And it's on, it's on the fake, my YouTube channel if anybody wants to watch it. But you can see it coming down from the original footage. And within this crater, you can see distinctly three lights that are evenly spaced. It's not a trick of the eye because they're evenly spaced as if they're, you know, as if it's a, 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 a shaft or something for, nope. for an, an elevator. Yeah. So it, it's not... Um sort of like um reflected light or anything like that through through the lens no no, no. no it's i've tried to eliminate again but you know at the end of the day it's it's my opinion mm. um you know there's things like that i found craft um within the rings around um um saturn. you know saturn and mm. you know and the moons around saturn and obviously craft that are literally within as you zoomed into the original photograph, you know, these craft are like hundreds, thousands of miles in size, you know, they're, mm. they're huge. Um, and again, on Mars, like I said, you know, there's lots of structures. Mm. I mean, you, you, you can actually see things and th your mind will play tricks on you that you can see birds, you can see humans, you can mm. see faces. And, yeah. 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 Um, I just advise anyone to get in there, you know, Go and have a look, you know, because all the information is out there. Don't don't take my word on it. You know, obviously, I I, I do it because I want to do it. And it's really to find answers out. But if you can get out there and find something yourself, I'd be the first to shake your hand, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. So anyway, so the new book then, um, UFO Encounters Up Close and Personal. Yes, yeah. Well, this book again is different again because they, they've all evolved literally through my journey, you know. And like I said to you earlier, you know, I, I've I've got to, oh, you know, know quite a few people within ufology uh, just through either analysing photographs for them or working with them. And um, with this book, I I just wanted to know how they originally got into ufology like myself really you know you know seeing a craft when i was small and you know yeah. did did they have an experience did they have an abduction or did you just read a, a famous case and it stuck with them and got their interest um and i just reached out to literally everybody and anyone and you know the people that got back to me the book i, I couldn't fit them in there was that many that mm. got back to me um and, you know, I've got Philip Mantle and Malcolm Robinson, Bruce Maccabee, who's who's somebody who I've looked up to for years because Bruce uh, has literally been the forefront of analysing images and et cetera, yeah. you know. So for him to actually, he actually gave me his first ever scientific paper he wrote. 
Okay. That that's what got him into ufology, and it's how a scientist why would they research uh, ufology? And um, it's never been published before, etc. And he's kindly given that to go in the book from his account. Okay. Um, I've got Philip and Ronald Kinsella, uh, Kathleen Marden. You know, Kathleen is is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. Okay. And yeah. she actually speaks about the time she was sat in the family home when Betty and Barney Hill were telling the family what happened to them. Mm. So it's from her point of view, you know, yeah. Mary Rodwell, you know, she, great lady, you know, brilliant researcher with a CERN in Australia. And she talks about the Chinese Roswell case. And again, I've never heard of that myself, you know, until she no. came out. No, and, well, I'm, I must admit, I haven't, to be honest. No. I've, I've never heard of that one. And um, she goes into really, really great detail, as she does with everything. And um, it was basically a craft very similar to the, the one at Roswell. Hmm. And it crashed on a, a military base in China. And they actually came out and retrieved the craft and the extraterrestrials. And I think there was a, a, a one that was left alive. And, you know, so you can read into that into real hmm. depth. Uh, Peter Robbins, it was his case with his sister when they were small, having five silvery white disc shaped craft that, you know, they saw together. Um, Nigel Watson, uh, another UK um, researcher, investigator, he talks about George Adamski, where again, people yeah. looked into that case. Yeah, yeah, it's um, quite a famous one, isn't it, that one? Yeah, um, Howard Hughes, radio presenter. Yeah. Um, he talks about his grandmother having a sighting in Liverpool, and Gio, right. yeah. you know, talked about that. Um, Mike Heston Rogers, uh, uh, Mike Rogers was the lead driver, lead hand of the seven who were involved with Travis Walton. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Mike was actually, if anyone's ever seen the film Fire in the Sky, you know, he was the mm. the lead hand and Travis got out the truck, saw the UFO, went underneath, it, the laser beam hit him, threw him off his feet and they mm. drove off in the truck scared, thinking he was dead and then Mike went back. And when I approached Mike and said to him about it, I said, um, you know, I'd like to get your... your how you got into ufology was it the travis case that got you in or and he said well surely you want to be talking to travis you know you need his and i said <laughs> no no i said everyone knows what happened to travis it's yeah you know it's you one of the from a different angle yeah. biggest yeah biggest cases so i said you saw the craft you mm. had that you witnessed the craft um, you know what was what happened, and and he goes into great depth. You know the smell in the air, the, the ele electrical smell. Mm. You know that the the craft literally looked like um, a new sports car. It was like gleaming, and that was the impression he got of it, and highly polished. You know, and the oscillating sounds of the craft. You know, all things you wouldn't yeah. think of. You know. Yeah, it, yeah, those those sort of tiny details that that most people wouldn't. Wouldn't yeah want to know about yeah it sounds like a real who's who <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> in the, and in that's the ufo just, world that's just the tip you know i've got steve <laughs> merrin in there i've got uh david caton and david caton talks about the case over ref cyprus in the 1950s okay. 1958 in the trudos mountains and it was a radar unit and he was based over there with a friend obviously at the time um and they actually tracked a craft very similar to the tic tac type of craft that's been released by the US government recently. Um, and they actually followed this craft going over the Egyptian coast. And it was at 38,000 feet and it went to 60,000 feet in a second. Wow. Um, and it was literally, they actually um, worked out that the speed it was traveling at was 18,000 miles an hour. Well, there's, there's nothing man-made can travel at that speed, is there? No, and that, not... That we know about. <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking 1958. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this isn't, you know, 2000 and whatever with the Nimitz and things mm. like that. And then I've got of other people I know. Uh, Brian Nash, Nasher, one of my friends. Um, he used to be in the 80s band Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And he actually tells me, of, you know, how we used to sit there and watch Doctor Who with his, you know, his, <laughs> and read Chariots of the Gods, Eric Van Daniken, etc. And, yeah. you know, it, it's like you said, it's a who's who. And that is just a tip. I've got authors in there from Italy, Brazil, you know, and they're all telling me how they got into ufology. Yeah, yeah. Sounds it, it sounds absolutely fascinating. I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I, I'm I'm definitely going to have to get a copy of it because yeah. it, it. I mean, it really does. It's it's like a it's like a who's who encyclopedia, isn't it? Of of all the greatest um, yeah UFO cases. And I'm really humbled by the people that have taken their time to to actually give me these uh, cases and you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and to write about because it gives you a bigger picture of ufology mm. of the ufologists and researchers and presenters and yeah. anybody yeah. involved. It's how they were brought into the field. I mean, we we you know we 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 all know from from experience when when we're when we're doing research that some people are more um, forthcoming than others. Um, some mm. some people are quite quite happy to talk to you about their experience you know i mean i've, I've had it myself and i've been doing research um and i think i think actually it's quite reassuring isn't it that that you talk to so many people who are quite willing to talk to you about their personal experiences and and, and the sightings that they've had and, and the experiences they've had and yeah. i think to me I, I think it adds more credence to, to the fact that that they're quite open about what's happened and, and to me that just makes it more plausible you yeah. know the story is yeah. more, more more sort of plausible well like i said you know where the, more and more people are waking up to what is ha- actually happening around them you know what is going on in the world and the sightings and ufology because you know you go back to when i tried to go to as many conferences and things as i can um, yeah. and when i first started to go to them you know you were sort of known as the the tin foil hat brigade weren't you you know <laughs> that went to these things and yeah. it, it was nothing of the case. It's just the, the label you were given. But, um, you know, you go to these conferences and you meet people that are like-minded like yourself, you know, they've got amazing stories of things that have happened to them or, you know, and you get there, there to listen to speakers just like yourself. But I've found over the years and up to modern day, that the caliber of person going to these conferences has changed so much. Yeah. You know, you've got every sort of person from every type of walk of life going to this, you know, nurses, doctors, etc. you know, and they all want to know the same thing. They all want to know, are we alone? You know, and things like that. So, um, you've been involved in, in, I believe in some research into the Calvin Parker case. Yes, that's, um, well, I've been working on a graphic novel about the case, which is out next year. The the novel, I finished my part, which is all the illustrations, and I've been working closely with Calvin. Hmm. Um, Again, for your listeners, uh, Calvin Parker was involved in the, with Charlie Hickson in early 1970s in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Hmm. And they were both abducted by, uh, unusual looking robot like beings um, and taken onto a elliptical shaped craft and Calvin calls them the ugly ones that's what he calls them okay um, but they're quite unique in the way because they've got like a pointed nose pointed mm-hmm. ears you know it's for the very unique compared to the greys and you know other types of beings yeah um, and it they were taken on board and with Calvin, he had an interaction on board with a, a female ET, right. um, which a lot of people know about only because he spoke about it, but no one's ever seen anything or images of the female. So over the last year plus, I've been working closely with Calvin, and he's a fantastic guy. You know, it, you, he's got all the time in the world for anybody in his heart of gold you know yeah. he's he's not in ufology for the fame or fortune etc mm. you know he actually wanted to walk away from it all at the beginning you know and um but anyway i i've been working closely with him via skype um and we what we've been doing is doing like a a police fit that type of a, a thing of the female et Okay. So I would draw the face and then I would draw the eyes, how he would describe. Then I'd send it back to him and he would say, yes, no, 
mm. you know, that looks like her. And eventually we got to, you know, a good description of her in, in total. I sent the image back when it was finished and he said, yeah, that was her, you know. And, and you know, and this is a graphic novel I've worked on with um, Philip Mantle, obviously. Um, and there's a writer in America who's doing the, the, the writing for it, um, Martin Powell. And he normally does the likes of Batman and Superman comics. Okay. And we're trying to do a different spin on it. So it's it's done like a comic type of graphic yeah. novel of yeah. basically the experience from leading right up to it. And then all the aftermath hmm. where he was taken to the police, you know, the sheriff's office. And he had the secret recordings of Calvin and Charlie um, going down and right through basically up to modern day. So how can you give us any sort of idea about how he described the the female alien? What what sort of um, physicality, shall we yeah, say? Yeah, um, well, I've, I've done a, a special poster as well for it, because next year is the 50th anniversary of the case. Right. So we're, that's the whole reason of the book coming out next year yeah. and everything. Yeah. And, um, I've done a limited edition uh, poster, which I've had done, printed in Germany. And, and what I've done, I sent them to Calvin. He signed it and then I've signed it. So it's like a double signature on this poster. And it's all of Dr. Heineck and the ETs on there and the picture of the female ET and but, you know, it'll all be coming out next year anyway, properly. So it'll be a bit of a collector's item, that, with all the signatures on it. Then. Yeah, I, I've only done 38. Okay. I'm not I'm not going to do any more. And I've already sold three of them. Uh, right. <laughs> um, but They'll be appearing on eBay then, will this shortly? Pro- probably, if, if that was the thing. But, um, yeah, and with the graphic novel and, and all that in depth, it's been a real pleasure doing it with, with him and... and especially the way he describes them because I've gone, I've literally gone to his life story mm. right the way through and explained the abduction. Like you said, what the ETs look like, you know, the, the, the skin was like um, a bit like an elephant's that sort of rippled, okay. you know, effect on, on the ugly ones. <laughs> I've actually, I do a lot of 3d models as well for people. Yeah. Yeah, and I've actually done a 3D model of the the ET, you know, the ugly one and everything. So they they'll be coming out as well. Um, but the female ET, he said she, the description and the the fit we got of her is she was basically in like a jumpsuit, like a blue light blue jumpsuit, very thin uh, look into her. She had long thin fingers which were twice the size of human um which was very unusual she had mm-hmm. like a very blondish hair um her eyes were quite small um but you know she could pass probably as a human but you know not quite yeah um and again people will see her and you would look at it i would put it under the category probably like a palladian type of a being which is the the nordic type that yeah. we, we tend to describe yeah that sounds that, that sounds really interesting is that is that going to be through uh flying disc press philip mantle no i, I okay. think it's going to be going through an american um publisher where that philip is dealing with all that side of it anyway you know yeah. it was him who initially got everybody involved together because in conjunction with his other books he's wrote, you know, about the, with yeah. Calvin and et cetera. And, yeah. um, it, you know, it's just, it's an amazing case. It's one that stood the test of time. And Philip has done a fantastic job with Irene Scott, you know, in the States mm. and more witnesses have come forward since the sighting. There was somebody on the opposite side of the river, Pascagoula river, the same time as Calvin and Charlie being abducted, mm. and they they were abducted on the other side the same. Okay. Um, I actually fun. did an interview with uh, Marie Belair, her name was. Her husband's just passed away, but he wouldn't talk about it till mm. he was on his, his deathbed, mm. and they actually sort of came out with the story and what happened to them. 
and and more people have actually come forward saying they saw a craft that evening and it it just makes the the case more concrete mm. you know more more credible yeah definitely more credible yeah so so the the um description of of what happened to them then is is, is the I, I take it there is correlation between what they say happened to them and and what happened to to Calvin similar yeah where they were taken and and Marie actually recalls what happened i think that's going to be coming out soon a book through Philip and Irene um Scott you know they're going to be releasing that I, i'm going to actually be working soon on the illustrations for it um I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, can I need to ask on 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 this particular point? Then, I mean, do you, obviously, you know, you 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 believe that that Calvin's story is credible. Do you think that their story is credible as well, or do you think there might be an element of them sort of jumping on the bandwagon a little bit? I don't know. I mean, you could always approach it again. It comes down to opinion, doesn't it? You know, you've got you've got to look at the facts. You've got to look at the time period and do things match up. And apparently through Philip and, and the research that they've actually done, it, it all tallies, you know, to the same time, location, etc. Yeah, you yeah. know, a lot of things add up. Um, because Calvin, I, I suppose, sorry, sorry to interrupt, I mean, I suppose, yeah, yeah. I suppose that, that with something that, you know, with a case that's as famous as this, um you can sometimes get people who, who want to get involved for for the wrong reasons. Yeah, of course. Yeah. To try and try and make a few few quid or a few dollars out of it, you know. Yeah, the the fame and fortune thing, isn't it? You know. That's right. But you don't think that that's the case in 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 this this particular case? No, because I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be involved in something like that if I thought. You know, it it wasn't credible, and just through the research that they've done, you know, and it's you know they've really really got in there, and and the yeah. people have cut have come out, whether they wanted to speak up or not, we're, we're going to find out, you know. Yeah. And I, as far as I know, with with Philip uh, and Calvin, they're actually working on a film as well. So. Okay. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've done some uh, some TV work yourself, haven't you? Yes, yeah, I've had stuff on the One Show and um, um, God Discovery and things like that, and obviously Paranormal Court on camera, like we said before, with the Argentinian. Um, I've recently, in the last couple of years, I've done a couple of documentaries with um, Peter Slattery, ESETI Australia. Um, and I would advise anyone to look at Peter's material and photographs, you know, of the, the beings and the craft that he's photographed, because I, I put him in the top 1% in the right. world, you know, in yeah. my opinion, um, with James as well, especially at the SETI Ranch. Um, but if you go in, and we actually did with, in conjunction with James Gilliland, Peter, it, it was about Peter and his life, and Mary Rodwell was on to... Um, and it was basically we we got into real depth. It was called multidimensional, and it's on Amazon Prime and iTunes and things like okay. that. Yeah. With that one, and then I've recently, in the last year or so, did a documentary with uh, Philip Mantle and Malcolm Robinson and uh, uh, Philip and Ronald Kinsella and a couple of other people involved, and it was called the pentagon files okay uh, and we talk about the tic tac nimitz and all that type of thing yeah where, where's that available that's again that's on amazon prime oh, and okay. itunes and all the all the usual platforms all the usual places yeah yeah I'll, I'll, again i'll have to, I'll have to check them out I've, I've interviewed um both philip and ronald in the past yes um, fascinating guys really you know really really interesting um so again that's that that'd be quite interesting to to watch that have you got any any upcoming projects then anything that's that's in the pipeline um like i said i'm going to be starting the illustrations for um phillips uh uh for yeah philip mantle's new book in reference to the pascagoula where i'll be doing the illustrations for that um i'm constantly doing book covers for people you know i've done book covers for virtually everybody in the ufo field um 
I mean, I did. Um, <laughs> who's the last? I do that many. I've done about fifteen books. Okay. Um, covers. Right. Yeah. Um, I did um, the cover for. Have to bear with me because, like I said, this I do them and then I sort of forget about them. <laughs> yeah, and move on um, to the next one. <laughs> with Malcolm Robinson's A70, the I did his book cover for that book. Um, I did Donald Schmidt's uh, book cover recently. I've done Paul Sinclair's book cover, the second book cover for him on there. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just I constantly asked by people to do them, and then I, you know, then I go on to the next thing. <laughs> well, maybe um, maybe my next book, I might, I might approach you to do a cover for my next book. Then, if you if you fancy yeah. if you fancy branching out into the paranormal, for instance, we could uh, we could possibly do something there. Yeah, um, certainly. Whereabouts? Um, so you, you've you've your books are all published through uh, Philip. Is 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 that right? Through Philip Mantle. Yeah, you can get them on Amazon, um, or you can get them off Philip Mantle through Flying Disc Press because he's obviously my publisher as well. Yeah, um, and you mentioned your Facebook page and YouTube. Is is there anywhere else online that we can find you? You can get me on the usual, like Twitter and things like that. They all come under the same head in UF only. Um, the Facebook, if anybody wants to contact me on there, I mean, I get inundated with, Im- you know, people wanting yeah. images, analysing. I will get round to them. Um, it's because I don't charge anyone to do it. I just do them and send them back because I believe in UFOlogy, we're all in the same part. We all literally should be doing it's it's for the good of the the cause if you put it that way yeah and um <laughs> i do generally get round to them in the end so people can bear with me but they can contact me via uh, facebook etc yeah do you actually have time for for anything else in life because it sounds like you're you're I've an got extremely a busy full-time guy. job <laughs> i have a, a full-time job um because i'm signalman on the railway so okay All i right. uh, like I said, I do 12-hour shifts there, and then when I'm not in work, I do all this. <laughs> yeah, so so you don't have an awful you don't have an awful lot of family time then, by the sounds of it. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I've just yeah. bought a caravan, so I'm hoping to get away a bit more and have little breaks. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably end up going to UFO hotspots and <laughs> spending spending the night looking up at the sky and. Yeah. Taking- taking photographs and stuff like that now it's interesting my, my granddad was a signalman uh, signal signalman on the railway back um oh. back in the the 40s and 50s after the war so brilliant so, um yeah the uh it was, hasn't changed much it probably hasn't no it's probably still using the same signal and equipment i would have thought yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the Vic- lines we still have victorian bells in the box yeah do you have any any strange stories about when when you've been working on the on the railways um whether it not, be UFO or maybe even paranormal or something not like that. really i mean obviously people have got to know that i write books and i'm involved yeah. with it and they'll come out and tell me they've seen things and you know they, they'll often send photographs etc i mean there's been a couple of weird things that have happened but nothing mm-hmm. on the strength of what you know the military yeah. side that i've had and yeah well it's been fascinating talking to you really interesting um I think it's it's a really interesting angle, you know, that that, that you take when you when you're looking at these uh, this evidence in in such depth. Um, I think it's 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 a really interesting thing that you do. So it's it's been great to talk to you. Um, I'll certainly check out your books. I'm sure that um, that the listeners that I have on the podcast are, are going to check out your books as well. And I can only wish you the best for the future, um, especially with all your upcoming. Uh, projects good luck with the um the calvin parker book and and the mm. stuff that you're doing on that and um yeah it's been great to have you on jason thank you very much for, for chatting thank you it's been a pleasure and i like i say to anybody i always really enjoy these talks and you know back and forward conversations yeah. because we can banter about ufology and that's what it's all about yeah absolutely yeah you can't you can't take things too seriously can you <laughs> no 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 it's been it's been fabulous thanks thanks for coming on i really appreciate it thanks you can visit my website at www.craigbryant.co.uk paranormal pendle will return and remember to keep watching the shadows <laughs>